Luke chapter 2. I love Christmas, and it's one of my favorite times of the year. I just love everything about it. And I think sometimes, why is Christmas such a big deal? Not necessarily as a Christian, because obviously we understand what Christmas is about. We know that uh, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And uh, I talked to our men at men's breakfast yesterday morning and said, you know, really as a Christian, though, um, we ought to think about that daily, really, you know, about the birth of Christ and why he came. But why, and just in the whole entire world, it seems like Christmas really is just a big deal. Uh, you know, you think about the different holidays that we have, and really there's only one day given to a holiday, like Valentine's Day, or, you know, we think of um, here in America, of course, Fourth of July, or, you know, Thanksgiving is really just a day. But it seems like Christmas is celebrated all month long, and really even more than that anymore. And so it's just the largest celebration around the world every year. And it's a time where billions of people, just billions of people, um, have different schedules, you know, during the month of December. And they spend their time, you know, going to Christmas parties. And, you know, I love Christmas music. And um, they watch Christmas movies uh, on TV and um, go out and buy presents. And it's just our lives are, are just different, you know, really this time of year. And uh, I, think about, I think about that, how Christmas is such a big deal. So I want to talk uh, tonight about what is, what is Christmas all about? What's it all about? And we know this passage well, uh, especially this time of year. We tend to look at this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2. And we begin in verse 8. And the Bible says there, <clears throat> And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the angel said that Christmas, notice there, would bring great joy for all people. That's really what Christmas uh, was about, to bring great joy for all people. But for many people, Christmas is, is a hassle, and it's a source of stress. Some people feel lonely this time of year. Some people feel depressed. But regardless of our problems or maybe of the circumstance that you find yourself in, Christmas really is the best news that you could ever get. Uh, God's Christmas gift to us has three qualities. And I think about even, you know, Tim uh, talked about this this morning, about this unspeakable gift. And it is an incredible gift. And it has three qualities. First, it's the most expensive gift you'll ever receive. Because Jesus uh, paid for this gift with his own life. It's the most expensive gift we'll ever receive. Second, it's the only gift you'll ever receive that will last forever. 
And then it's an extremely practical gift because you'll use it every day for the rest of your life. And so I want to just take some time this evening and talk about what is Christmas about? Well, the first thing I think that Christmas is about is, is, is that it's a time for celebration. All right, Christmas is about a celebration. And really, we think about it, it's, it's a birthday party, right? It's a birthday party for Jesus, and birthdays are meant to be celebrated. Look again at verse 10, Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So the, the, the good news of Christmas is worth celebrating. First of all, it's personal. Notice there he says, I bring you. So this is a gift for every single one of us. He says, this is a gift that I bring to you. So we can say, man, this is a personal gift. This is something for me. It's positive. He says, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And I love this. It's a universal gift because he says he brings it to all people. So that's so hopeful. And this time of year should be full of hope because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you came from or where you're going. This gift is for you. This news is for you. It's a celebration. But what is it exactly that we're celebrating? First of all, Christmas is a time to celebrate that God loves you. To celebrate that God loves you. We looked at this verse this morning and we know it well. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The entire reason for Christmas is the love of God. God created us in his image. He came to this earth, think of this, to have a personal relationship with us. That's just an incredible thing to me. That the Creator God would want to have a relationship with us. <clears throat> of course, we know a little about God just by observing His creation. For instance, when we look at nature, we uh, understand that there's a God. That's what the Bible even tells us. And as we look at nature, we see that our Creator loves variety. You know, I love these um, documentaries and things on planet Earth that you watch on uh, Discovery or uh, National Geographic, and just to see the beauty of the world. And when you look at the different scenery and the different plants and animals, and of course, um, this time of year, you know, we think of snowflakes, not necessarily in this part of the country, but every snowflake is different, it's unique. Um, Even people, right? We're all different. And um, I think of our Creator, how He loves variety. And I think of this, that God must enjoy watching us enjoy creation. Or if He didn't, He wouldn't have given us different ways to enjoy His creation. You know, he, He's given us taste buds. I'm thankful for that. We uh, uh, are celebrating, actually today, we're celebrating 12 years <clears throat> of being married. And uh, yesterday we went out to dinner, just the two of us, and we got this incredible dessert at a new restaurant here in town, and it was just so good, and I thought, man, I'm so thankful for taste buds, that we can enjoy this part of God's, you know, creation. You know, uh, God gave us eyes to perceive different colors. You know, one of the things I enjoy doing this time of year is, and we did this last night, is just driving around looking at Christmas lights, 
and just the fact that God would, would create us that way, where we can perceive all these, all these different colors. And then he gives us ears to hear. And so he could have made the world, think about that, he could have made the world tasteless and colorless and silent. But notice what the Bible says here in 1 Timothy 6, 17. I love this verse. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. And notice this, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. And you think, he didn't have to do that. God didn't have to do that. But I think he did it because he loves us. But still, our understanding of God was, was limited so he came to earth. You know, I think God could have chosen thousands of ways to communicate with us. But he designed us. And I think he knew that the best way to communicate with us would be face to face. So talking about the incarnation, God became one of us. What, what, that's just amazing. That he would leave heaven and be born into this world. And that's how he decided to communicate with us. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send a politician. He came himself. And, you know, I think if you really want people to know how much you love them, you, you know, you don't send someone to tell them. You, co- you go to them face to face and say that you love them. You have to say it personally. That's what God did at Christmas. The Bible tells us that God is love. And notice, it doesn't say that God has created, love, but God as an love. object of God's love. Think of that. His love is the reason that you're alive. The reason that you woke up this morning and have breath is because God loves you. You, you would not exist if God did not want you to. And so I love telling people, especially, you know, you just hear uh, so many terrible things about suicide and and just people um, having negative thoughts. And, and, of course, I know there's other reasons for that. But I love to tell people, listen, you matter to God. More than anything else that he's made, you matter to him. Because his love is unconditional. I love this. He loves us just as much on our bad days as he does our good days. That his love is, is unconditional. He loves us regardless of our performance or our moods, or our actions, or our thoughts. His love is unchanging because God's love for you is based on his character and not our conduct. I'm so thankful that I don't have to earn God's love. Um, That's something that that could never be, we could never do enough, right, to to earn that. Or uh, to, to, to pay a debt or whatever, we could never do enough. So celebrate the fact that God loves you. Another thing I see is that Christmas is a time to celebrate that God is with you. All right, not only does God love you, but number two, Christmas is a time to celebrate that God is with you. One of Jesus' names is Emmanuel. It means God with us. And I think what a, what a proclamation. No wonder the angels told the shepherds, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have no need to fear. Um, you know, you lose your fear when, when God is near. And you may feel abandoned uh, tonight by maybe a parent, maybe by people you thought were your friends. Maybe you've experienced rejection in some way. We've all experienced that, I'm sure. But God has not abandoned you. He never will. 
Notice what it says in Hebrews 13.5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Notice this verse, Isaiah 43 and verse 10. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I don't know what difficulty you feel. Maybe you're drowning right now, or maybe some kind of heat is, is on your life. But whatever it is, God knows about it. God cares about it. And God is with you. God loves you. He's going through it with you. You're not alone. What a reason to celebrate. Number three, Christmas is a time to celebrate that God is for you. He not only loves us, he's not only with us, but man, he is for us. Romans 8.31, what shall we say then, or what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, when you're facing a personal attack, it's great to have God with you, but it's even greater to know that, man, God is actually for me. That God is, yes, with me, but he is for me. You know, many people feel that God is, like, secretly out to get them, and he's just waiting for them to, to mess up and to make a mistake. That's not who God is. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, one of my favorite verses, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. No one wants what's best for you more than God. God wants his very best for each and every one of us. None of us uh, know what we'll face next year. I'm looking forward. I love the start of a new year because I always try to enter a new year with a blank slate and think, okay, I can, I can set goals. And, and um, so I just love it. It's just a fresh way to look at things. And uh, God wants what's best for me in this new year. He knows what I'm going to face in 2020. We can know that God loves us. He is with us. He is for us. You know, God is not mad at you. Sometimes we get, sometimes we get that attitude that I have failed and I've made such a mess of things that God is, God is upset with me. God, God is mad at me about something. Look at what it says in John chapter 3 and verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him the, the might be saved. Jesus, when you study you know, throughout the New Testament, you quickly see that when you make a mistake, Jesus doesn't rub it in, right? He rubs it out. Jesus is there to, to heal. Jesus is there to help. He came to erase our sins. He came to erase our mistakes and our failures and our regrets. And that's why this, the first statement the angel made to, to, to the shepherds was, don't be afraid. Listen, he, they're, they're saying Jesus came to save you, not to scare you. You have no need to fear because the Savior is coming and he is with you. And that's a reason to celebrate. What, what else is Christmas about? Number two, Christmas is also about salvation. You know, we're not only saved from something bad. A lot of times we, we look at salvation that way. That Okay, God has just saved me from something. But what a great truth that God saved us for something as well, right? That our salvation doesn't stop when, uh, you know, we say a prayer, or, you know, place faith in Christ. It's just beginning. And God has all these wonderful things planned for us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So salvation gives us this freedom and this power to fulfill God's purpose for our life. That we understand that, okay, God has something for me to do, that God has saved me for something, and we have to, you know, figure out what what those things are. Um, The announcement of salvation was the angel's second declaration of good news. It says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Notice the Savior is, is for you. He came for your benefit. Right? This is why Jesus came as a baby. This is why he was robed in flesh. He did that for us. He came for our benefit. When people think of salvation, I think a lot of times, again, you just, they just have a narrow view of salvation. That God saved me from hell. And that is a great truth. I'm so thankful for that. That God saved me from a place called hell. But salvation is so much more than that. That God saved me for something. God had much more in mind when he sent Jesus to be our Savior. First of all, what did he save us from? Number one, Jesus came to save you and I from sin and from ourselves. From sin and ourselves. You are the the source of most of your problems. I told our men this uh, yesterday morning... The greatest problem that we'll ever face in this life exists inside of us, not outside of us. We are our biggest problem. Even when other people cause problems, our natural response often makes those things worse. So if we're honest, we'll admit that, hey, listen, we have habits that we can't break. Right? We, we sin because we are sinful people. We have thoughts that we don't want. Um, we have emotions that, that we don't like. We have fears that shouldn't be there. And we say things sometimes that later we wish, oh man, I, I wish I hadn't said that. You are the problem with you. I am my biggest problem. And for change to happen, the only way change can happen is in the heart. All right, we have to have a heart change. We sin every day with our words and our thoughts and our actions. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes Chapter 7, verse 20, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. What a statement. There's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is habit-forming. The more we do it, the easier it gets. You know, if you've ever had to try to break an addiction or uh, maybe maintain a diet or change your life in some way by willpower, you know that that's a frustrating way to live, right? If, 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 if I view my life as, man, it's up to me, right? It's up to me to create change. It's up to me to respond in, in, a, in a righteous way. It's up to me to, um, you know, do all these things and, and sin less. Man, that's a frustrating way to live. I can't do it, and I need God to help me. And I can Notice identify what with he says Paul's here in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. And I, I can say, hey, Paul, I'm right there with you. You know, it's amazing to me how 
I know to do right. I mean, I, I know. I, I, I typically know what, what I should do and what I shouldn't do. But, man, it's a struggle sometimes. And, and I think, sometimes I think, man, I know this is the right thing to do. Why, why am I not doing it? And sometimes I think, I know I shouldn't do that. Why am I stuck doing this? And I, I identify with Paul's frustration here. He says in verse 16, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now when it is no more that I, no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And here's the answer. Any lasting solution has to start in the heart. We have to have a heart change. And only God can, can transform hearts. Number two, why did, Jesus, why did Jesus bring salvation? Number two, Jesus came to save you for a purpose. For a purpose. You know, most people struggle with these three basic questions. And you've probably asked them yourself, to yourself. Why am I alive? Does my life matter? And what is my purpose? And I think, you know, God has never ever created anything without a purpose, right? There's a purpose for everything that he's created. And since you and I are alive, we can be certain, okay, that God has a purpose for us. There's a reason that God allowed us to wake up this morning. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Here's the problem. Every one of us have strayed from God's intended purpose for our life. Every one of us. The Bible says, Isaiah 53, uh, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Although God created each of us for a purpose, I think we can all agree that we've gotten off track, haven't we? We've all done things that we shouldn't. We've, we've all gone ways and gone, gotten on paths that we shouldn't be on. And um, <clears throat> so God sent Jesus, our Savior, to redeem us from sin. That's what Christmas is about. God sent His only begotten Son to this sin-cursed world to be a bridge, to reset the direction of our lives, to restore us to His original purpose. Said Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. And I, need, I need to be reminded of that daily. But unto him which died for them and rose again. So God saves us for a purpose. Romans 6.13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of, unrighte- of, of, of righteousness unto God. You know, and I think nothing compares to the thrill of being an instrument in the Redeemer's hand. I love having the opportunity to be used of God. And that's, a, that's another amazing truth, that God would even use me. But he wants to. Everyone, every one of us live at one of these three levels. There's three levels in our society. Survival, success, 
or significance. Now, most of the world lives at the survival level. You know, half of um, the world's population today, they say live on less than $2 a day. And over a billion people live on less than a dollar a day. I would say that's survival level, right? Man, these people are just trying to get by. If you live in the U.S., I believe this, you automatically live at the success level, right? We, we are so grateful. We should be grateful to live in this country. We have yourself poor in America. You're very rich compared to the, to, to the rest of the world. And so um, we, we need to remember that, that we are living at this success level. But success doesn't satisfy, right? We can have a lot to live on and still have nothing to live for. And we can be so busy making a life, as they say, making a living, that you fail to make a life. But we were made for more than success, right? I believe that the Bible teaches that we were created for significance, that we were, we were created for significance. But we will never find that in possessions. We'll never find significance in any pleasures that this world has to offer. We'll never find it in any possessions that we have or positions. Mark chapter 8, verse 35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. This is why we exist. All the success in this world would never bring true satisfaction because of this. We were made to know, love, trust, and serve God. That's why God created humanity, was to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him. But we have gotten off track. The second purpose of, for, for Christmas is salvation. And I hope, and, and speaking to a Sunday evening crowd, typically uh, this would be a crowd that would know Christ as Savior. But I hope you know Him. If you don't, then please do that before you leave today. Uh, here's, the, here's the third thing that I'll finish with. Christmas is also about reconciliation. All right, it's about reconciliation. Isaiah <clears throat> Chapter 9 and verse 6, the Bible says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and I love this, this title for him, the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Notice Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And I, I read those verses and I think, you know, is peace on earth, um, is that even possible? Is peace on earth even possible in our current culture? You know, the starting point to peace is understanding the conflict. And there, there's, there are many reasons we have conflict in this world. And I think these are two of the big ones. Number one, we have conflict because of our natural self-centeredness. Right? We're just by nature selfish people. And when I want my way, and when you want your way, there's going to be conflict. 
right? Because of our self-centeredness. Another reason we have conflict is this. We expect others to meet needs in our life that only God can meet. And when we place that, that expectation on other people, and they don't meet that expectation, then there's going to be conflict, right? <clears throat> so we make, we make demands of others instead of looking to God. And, and I know this, and, I'm sh- and I know that you know this, that no human being can fully meet all of your needs. There's no way. Um, we're sinful people, right? People are going to let you down. Um, you're going to be dissatisfied. So no human can fully meet our needs. Instead of complaining and blaming others for our unmet needs, the Bible recommends us to ask God instead. Notice what it says in James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. From whence come wars and fightings among you? He's, he, James is saying, why, why, why do you fight with each other? Why, why do you have these disputes? Why, why do you have uh, this conflict? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And I think, man, if, if I prayed as much as I complained, I'd have a lot less to argue about. And, and I think we all need to learn that lesson. That people cannot satisfy. People are going to disappoint. And so we need to, to go to the Lord in prayer. Say, Lord, help me. Give me peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And notice this. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The reality is that there will never be peace in the world until there's peace within our nations then we will never have peace in our nation until there's peace in our communities. There will never be peace in our communities until there's peace in our families. And there's never going to be peace in our families until there's peace with us. Right? So if we... That seems like a huge task. Can there really be peace on earth? That's a big task, right? But it starts with us. Right? It starts with us as individuals. And that's not going to happen until the Prince of Peace reigns in our lives. And Jesus came at Christmas to give us that kind of peace. That was, that was the purpose of Him coming. He, gave, he, he came at Christmas to give us, I think, three kinds of peace. First of all, He, he came to give us peace with God. Because of our sin, we don't have peace with God. Notice what it says in Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And he creates this list. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we're, we're sinful people. We don't have peace with God. Now it goes on to say, here's some qualities of being at peace with God. Verse 22 of Galatians 5. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And what an amazing thing. Notice, it's the fruit of the Spirit. That's who produces that in us, right? Um, I cannot love like I should love. I can't have peace. I can't have joy. I can't have faith, gentleness, meekness, apart from the Holy Spirit of God. So we need Him to be at peace. And then the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came to be the bridge of reconciliation between you and God, between me and God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. To wit, what God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Love that verse. Romans 5, verse 10. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. How can we be reconciled to a perfect God? How can we have peace with Him? It's through trusting Him as our Savior. Job chapter 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with Him. And be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. So he came at Christmas, first of all, to give us peace with God. And then, number two, we, are, we can experience the peace of God. The peace of God. Once you make peace with God, you, you begin to experience the peace of God. Uh, look at Isaiah 26 and verse 3. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. I love that verse. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So the path to peace of God comes through living and enjoying just one day at a time. Right? We're just, we're just making this journey. We're enjoying, we're enjoying God day in and day out. Accepting what cannot be changed. Instead of uh, you know, worrying about it, trusting in God's loving care, wisdom, and surrendering to his purpose for our life. Look at Matthew chapter 11, Labor and our heavy verse 28, laden, I will 29, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. So he gives us peace with God, the peace of God. Number three, he, gives us, he can give us peace with others. Um, once you've made peace with God... And then you begin to experience the peace of God in your heart. God wants us to experience this this joy, really, of having peace with other people. And he does that by turning us into a peacemaker. He gives us this, uh, this, this desire and this ability, really, to become peacemakers. 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given to us that ministry. So when Christ comes into your life, I think one of the first um, areas that you see a difference is in your relationships. You know, your, your relationships are different. And I think all of us would like God's blessing on our life. Matthew 5, 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of of God. So the true, true children of God are peacemakers, not troublemakers. Peacemakers. 
So what does it mean to be a peacemaker? And I'm going to end with this. What's it mean to be a peacemaker? It's not um, avoiding conflict. It's not running from problems. It's not giving in and allowing people to have their way. You know, I I don't think God ever would want us to be a doormat. But to work for peace means you actively seek to resolve conflicts. Right? You, you, you promote reconciliation. You, you offer forgiveness, just like pastors has been preaching on the past several weeks. You forgive those that have hurt you. You pass on to others that same grace that's been given to you. James 3, verse 18, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So I think Christmas is the perfect time to offer this gift of grace to others. While we celebrate Christmas, while, we, while we're celebrating this, this grace that God has shown to us. And I think, as I look at Scripture and think about the, the Christmas story, so to speak, that that's really what Christmas is all about. It's about a celebration. And again, we have so much to celebrate. It's about salvation. Obviously, this is why he came. He came to die. And it's also about reconciliation. He came to bridge that gap so that we could have a relationship with him and so that we could have a healthy relationship with other people. And uh, I'm so thankful. That's the greatest gift that any of us could ever receive, right? Just like Tim talked about this morning. This true, it truly is. It's an unspeakable gift. The gift of Christ and what he does in our lives and how this is not the beginning, this is, or this is not the end, this is just the beginning, and that we work from this um, each day, work from, from this love of Christ, and celebrate Him, and, and live at peace with other people. I'm so thankful for, for uh, this gift at Christmas. All right, let's, let's pray together, and uh, then you guys can be dismissed. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for your word. Lord, we looked at a lot of scripture uh, tonight, and um, Lord, really mentioned a lot of different things as it um, um, deals with this story of Christmas. Lord, we are so thankful for your life. Lord, for you coming to this earth. Lord, to be clothed in flesh. And Lord, we're so thankful that you were obedient to the death of the cross and that you were buried, and that you rose again. And Lord, we're, we're so thankful for, for that love, or that unconditional love. And I pray that we would know you, that we would serve you. Lord, as we think about this time of year, Lord, help us not to get caught up just in the busyness uh, of, the, of the holiday, but to really pause and think, Lord, why you came. And I pray that we would celebrate you and that we would grow to love you more and more. And Lord, just help our church family. Lord, help us to to be Lord, give us a great uh, uh, year 2020. And I pray that it would just be the best year that we've ever had as individuals and as a church family and that you would just do something special in us and with us. And we'll just thank you for, for all that you do. Lord, we love you, for it's in the Lord Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Tim, any announcements?